What do you think makes you important? A question just for some food for thought as we uh, touch upon VR, discipline, pontification of our generation, amongst other things. As always, remember to give us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to those podcasts. And uh, let's get back into it. So hey, everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about something important, our eyes, and specifically the hidden danger they face every day in the form of blue light. From our phones and laptops to tablets and TVs, we're constantly bombarded with blue light emissions. Now, while some blue light is natural and essential, the extensive amounts we're exposed to can wreak havoc on our sleep, focus, and even long-term health. Think interrupted sleep, digital eye strain, and headaches. Not exactly the recipe for productive and healthy life. But there's good news. Today's sponsor, Spectra 479 Blue Light Glasses, offer a simple and stylish solution to protect your eyes from the harmful effect of blue light. Their glasses use innovative lens technology to filter out harmful blue light rays while still allowing beneficial light to pass through. Plus, they come in a variety of sleek and stylish designs so you can look good while you protect your eyes. And guess what? Just for our awesome listeners, Spectra is offering a special discount code. Use the code CCPOD at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. Let's get back into the podcast. Distancing myself from anything that seems cynic. I evicted all my demons. I ain't seen them in a minute. Phone on D on D and the event. They try and kick it. I ain't messing with a pessimist. I get that noise and flip it. Keeping up composure because it's crucial. Tossing everything away unless that thing is useful. Pocket watching people. All these people getting used to it. Bumping blues and burning all my blues over my Bluetooth. So yeah, we're your hosts, Kayende. Pablo on the line. And uh yeah, let's just start shooting the shit, brother. All right. So the the first one, this was a this was an old question that I had from like three episodes ago. So is the barrier for entry in today's world too low? And as a result of that, is that why certain info is gatekept? So for example, usually um back in the day you would have I guess more masters, you know, think of uh trades like, you know, electrician, welder, um, plumber, that sort of thing. You can't even be considered a master until you're five years into your discipline. And now with the expansion of um, the expansion of the internet and you can get information anywhere, it's kind of like anyone has access to anything, but they don't necessarily know the true road and journey it takes to get to that level of mastery. So, um, yeah, is, is the barrier for entry too low today? And that's why we're seeing a lot of um, difficulty in the job place, in the job market, as well as, you know, certain birthrights of information are kind of kept hidden because um, given the wrong hands, you know, it could be destructive. I actually thought about this this past week, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I do think the barriers to entry for a lot of things uh are getting lower um too low i may have an answer as i elaborate more on my previous thought but for example the music space as i annoyingly always bring up everyone can and wants to be a musician Mm -hmm. right in any facet in any way shape or form in any medium any way they can get in the game they want to do it um but i think because of how low the barrier is all you need is a focus right and a mic and a garage not even you need a phone and headphones because you can make your stuff in band lab yeah right if you want to just just jump into it and get your feet wet um but because that barrier is so low you have more people who are lacking the necessary skills or equipment or fundamentals i should say that's probably the most important thing the fundamentals to actually um progress and do things in a way that is above amateur and i think in that sense um depending on what someone's doing that for as i pivot into something else after this um it can be very discouraging Mm -hmm. and um something with a low barrier to entry allows for a lot of people to come in like the gold rush yeah if everyone can just grab a pickaxe and buy a train ticket to the west yeah, in the east, I want to add to the west and look for, you know, a good place to start digging for gold. Everyone can do it, but only a certain amount of people will find the gold, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's kind of in that similar regard. Something with a higher barrier to entry, um, maybe like in the same music space, being a CEO or a manager or an A&R or owning a studio. Those things take more time mm. um, and require more skill. And I think we can pivot into the workplace now. Like, um, you can even see with with jobs, any job that requires simply a high school diploma, those jobs are usually BS jobs, respectfully, mm-hmm. as opposed to something that needs a college degree or a higher. Those jobs usually have a higher ceiling uh, uh, as to where uh, where you can grow and where you can and, and leverage yourself from. Um, but yeah, I think long answer to a short question. I think because the barriers to entry vary between different, uh, I would say, professions, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, I think it, it can discourage people and it, it, it definitely allows for a lot of uh, fallibility and, and, and uh, human error in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and it allows for a lot of grifting too. Um, you see this a lot on social media. I've oh, been using that word a lot, grifting. Yeah, change your, change your, um, change your career in ninety days, doing X, Y, and Z. You know, get into cybersecurity, get into, um, you know, this industry that is not even an entry level industry. You know, um, there are outliers. Don't get me wrong. There are people who go from, you know, I was a a car porter to. I'm a information security analyst at this company. So I went from making 35K a year to 90K in a, in a singular jump. Um, but, you know, they don't really go in depth on the actual training that they did, who they may have known at the company. Is the company willing to take more risks and like train you up from the bottom versus kind of having you hit the ground running, which most companies want you to have today? Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely um, agree that the barrier to entry for things is uh, is much lower. Even data analysis, not that data analysis is necessarily easy, but there's definitely scales and gradients of, you know, data analysis. Like, you know, this person can use one tool. This person can use 10. You know, you're both data analysts, but your skill set is just way different. And one is more competent than the other. And as I th- as I think back on the question, too, and as I reread it right here, um, on, on the info thing, I think when it comes to the information, um, stuff with lower barriers to entry, usually I think those those the the, the fields that have the, the most information gate kept, mm-hmm. right? For example, like going back to the gold rush, if everyone knew exactly where to mine for gold, then everyone would just go to that place, and then be it'd be a matter of who got there first. Yeah, but then then you have okay whoever got there first, who had the best equipment to mine the most gold, et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on. So um, as opposed to, but now this, this, this is a caveat, right? Because with, with things that have a higher barrier to entry, um, let's say being like, I don't know, a, a hedge fund CEO, yeah. right? Like you have a very high earning potential, but it comes to a point where, that will be your life, right? Like mm-hmm. you have you you will make that set of money. Make I don't know how much how much do hedge fund managers make. Um, eight figures easily. Like eight. salary is like two three million. You'll probably stay eight figures for your entire career. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like gold rush, if you do your thing correctly, you can probably surpass eight figures, nine figures with a little bit of sweat equity and and, and intelligence. But mm-hmm. then. You know, they both have their their drawbacks because with the higher barrier to entry stuff, you have to work harder to get past that barrier as opposed to low barrier stuff. You have to work incessantly at that thing you want to do if you want to be successful in it or also just be jumping from low barrier entry stuff to low barrier entry stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as I said before, the why certain info is gatekept, not even just in that sphere. There's certain, yeah, like I said, birthrights that you have license to and that you should know about that just you're never taught about in school or um, things of that nature, you know, laws of self-preservation and, um, you know, spiritual ideologies and, and knowledge and deeper, deeper profound stuff. But that's for another podcast episode. So the next episode is discipline and how it's actually the, the true key to freedom. So that's, that's question. That's question. So 
shout out to a Jordan Peterson who I actually got this from. So in his scenario, he mentioned, you know, in today's world, it's, you know, do as thou wilt. That's the, that's the law. And, you know, no one wants to have any discipline. Oh, you're, you're impinging on my rights. I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. And everyone knows the other axiom, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so in his scenario, he used hunger, you know, yeah, you can eat whatever you want, but if you do, you know, you run the risk of diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, all these other diseases and things of that nature. Whereas if you eat healthily, you'll have more longevity, theoretically, you know, your body will, will be better in older age. You'll be able to move more and, you know, all these other ailments that usually affect you in older age may not be as prevalent or around at all. And that is actually the true key to freedom. So in discipline, by depriving yourself of that, you know, it's a, it's almost a way of delaying gratification because you can continue, uh, enjoying yourself for a longer period of time versus taking all the, the upfront cash and then paying for it on the back end. Facts, facts, facts. I like that one. Um, so I, I got a little scenario question, uh, posit for you. So commutes, you sent me a, a Instagram reel or Twitter post about commutes affecting happiness. And that one rang so loud in my head because I know that the things I've found that bring me the most joy currently are the things that are just within arm's reach. Yeah. And I think that kind of um, exemplifies some stuff in the Bible, you know, like all the things we had in the Garden of Eden were within arm's reach. Mm -hmm. And as we got further and further away from the word, um, it became harder for us to find the necessary things that bring us joy and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my question in that for you is what, how do you feel about your current commute? And do you think that your commute affects your happiness in any way outside of the work you're doing? So this is, this is a, I'm glad you asked me this question because boy, do I have a story. So the last four years, um, due to a certain global pandemic, um, I was working remotely and, you know, uh, prior to 2020 remote work existed, but not into the, to the scope that it does now. And it was kind of like a berserker when they first smell blood. Like once I had that experience, I never wanted to go back into something else. So in my current position, I, um, I do commute. It's not bad. It's a 30 minute commute. So it's very doable. And in the clip, the guy mentioned that 30 minutes is like the peak happiness in terms of commute. Anything beyond 30 minutes is when it's diminishing returns for happiness. And <clears throat> I do think it, it does greatly make a difference because it, it lengthens your day. Um, if you have an hour commute each way, that's two more hours onto your day where you can't hang out with friends, see your kids, your partner and do, you know, your hobby. So, um, it, it does make a difference. 30 minutes is doable because it's only one extra hour on both ends. Um, and then if you, if you commute an hour and a half or more, what is wrong with you? That's like my genuine question. Cause that's absurd. Um, and even in terms of, even if you made more, let's say you got a $20,000 pay raise to commute that extra half hour, that extra money that you would see $20,000 is I think an extra 600 a month. Once you take taxes out, it's not really worth it. You know, in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm home and I'm at work, you know, in a pretty quick fashion. And so working remotely, I understand maybe not everyone can do it. Maybe reserve it for the seniors, you know, at a position, you know, at a company that have five years experience, 10 years of experience, but the hybrid model is here to stay for the future. And I can't like tout enough how like much of a difference it makes in terms of like mental health. Um, you know, people get anxiety going into work, you know, you got to put a face on, you got to be out in the world. Whereas if you're in your, the comfort of your home and you're still being productive, like that's, it, it makes a, a huge toll. You can get more done. You can, um, you know, you save money on, on, uh, on food because you're cooking at home and you can just get a little snack versus, oh, I forgot my lunch or I'm still hungry and now I got to go out and buy something else. So, um, yeah, commutes definitely have a direct effect on happiness, you know, going from working remotely entirely to working in the office every single day was a huge jump. Um, whereas somebody working in the office every single day to working at home for 95% of people, They'll be like, I can get used to this. 
Yeah. I mean, my current commute, my um, my job is seasonal. So that's nice. I mean, that that plays a huge role in my happiness at the job. Um, But the commute on a bad day is like 50 minutes to five, the five zero five zero. Yeah, that's with traffic, like 40 to 50 minutes on a good day coming home or going there with no traffic. It's like 25 minutes. So it kind of rounds out to being like an hour ish. Hour ten minutes commute, hour hour twenty at most. So, I do see that that titration of happiness as I uh, dread going to the job. But once I'm there, I know I, I'm gonna enjoy the work. I come home in twenty minutes, and then bada bing, bada boom. But like I mentioned previously, uh, just waking up and having the studio in my edifice is nice, and then. You know, the commute to come do the podcast, the solo podcast episode with just you and I, it's like a 20 minute drive. So those things are, are very serious. Yeah. And I mean, also with the podcast, I think you have more fun doing this than your day job. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot more cerebral, a lot less taxing on the body. Yeah. Um, and it's within my area of expertise that I've devoted over a decade of my life to, which is audio, you know, so mm-hmm. it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, I'll ask one more and then you can uh hop back in but um pause um but um pontification which seems to be what we're doing right now with this podcast as we're 25 26 ish episodes deep from my understanding just to define the word pontification p-o-n-t-i-f-i-c-a-t-i-o-n pontification just for the the non-english speakers who listen to the podcast who are learning the language shout out you guys um pontification from my understanding, is like riffing or speaking with um, an over-exaggerated sense of importance. That's what I get from that. But you're the vernacular wizard. You can define it better before I ask a question. Pontificate. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's like a a soliloquy of thinking, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, It could come off as pretentious and um, uh, I know better than you sort of way. but what do you mean by a pontification pandemic? Like everyone feels self-important. Yeah. So that was what I put in the note. The, it seems like we're, or we have been, especially now more so. I would say we have been, but now more so. It's in the last 10 years. With, um, with the advent of social media and, and, and everyone trying to. I definitely to, agree because everyone has a voice now. And not that everyone shouldn't have a voice, but for most of history, everything worked in a hierarchy. And the only way you skip hierarchies is if you're deserving of it. And now with social media, everyone's in the same pot. It's like a high school cafeteria. Yeah. You have the you have the nerds talking crazy to the jocks because the nerds know they're not gonna get punched in the mouth. Not that violence is, you know, necessary, but the threat of violence changes people's attitudes. Um, and that's been also something, you know, we've dealt with throughout most of history. And you have people who they read one article and they think they're an expert now. I've seen people argue down like legitimate doctors being like no this isn't true now when it term when it, it comes to naturopathic versus western medicine that makes sense but you arguing this surgery technique with an actual surgeon yeah you're smoking you right, know? right, um, right so i do think everyone is uh a little self-important they you know think they know more than they do um and you know your out outer world is a reflection of what you truly are not your inner world and what you think of yourself because obviously with a healthy ego you should think you're the best you should think you can do this but at the end of the day you can have the healthiest ego in the world if you're five five you're most likely not going to make the nba like it just it is what it is um you know if you do make the nba then you'd be in the nba you know what i mean um so yeah i i do think we're we're reaching that point and um people are just creating problems out of nothing because we've been in in so much peace time not that i want a war but just these are just cycles that happen throughout history. We've seen it happen with Rome, Greece, Egypt, Mesopotamia, whatever empire is going on, you know, hard times create strong men, strong men create peaceful times, peaceful times create weak men, and, you know, the cycle continues. So I think, yeah, we're in the, and because uh, the invention of technology, we don't have time to like focus on, we have so much time to just think and like take a step back and like, uh, self-reflect you know if you're working you know 12 hours in a field or in a coal mine or something you're you know your body's broken down you can't really think about anything but now you have so much free time to just always be analyzing and you know 
overthinking and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I definitely do think it's, uh, I think Alan Watts talked about it too, like taking a step back from the game, like, because you don't have to worry about survival stuff as much, you can kind of really reassess and be like, whoa, like, you know, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. And I think I mentioned, it, I wrote pontification pandemic because of alliteration, but I also think there are, hmm, there, it seems like with the advent of, like I said, social media and just everyone chasing the whole content creation route, um, I think people are just lacking things to say of substance. And what I mean by that is, um, you mentioned it perfectly, people will read one article or look at one buzz topic and then pigeonhole in that buzz, buzz topic to appeal to the masses as opposed to, like, I think... At, like what we're doing like we just talk about things that interest us and within our quote-unquote areas of expertise but more so areas of interest and just using that to see who we can benefit with our spoken word you know as opposed to speaking as if we know everything about everything and then having you think that our word is law which yeah. is not you know i mean i think it's um i put it in my song enough uh, but it's a Buddhist philosophy. Um, you just take what is useful, discard what is not. You know, if something we say resonates, then use it. If something we say sounds completely outrageous, then just discard it or try it. Like Jordan Peterson said, uh, Jordan Peterson, but I heard it from Peterson. He said, trust, but verify. So, yeah. Or uh, take the wheat with the chaff or uh, take uh, spit out the bones from the meat. Pause. pause. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I don't say I don't try and be say I'm an expert on anything. I just kind of give my credentials, and then you know you can assess from there. Um, and I always give my uh, resources too. This is where I found perfect example. This question I got today from Jordan Peterson. You know, you can go look for yourself versus, um, you know, I'm not gatekeeping anything or saying my word is law. So yeah, and that's one thing. Before you ask your next question, that's one thing too. I think. Um, that's one good thing about about school. Um, they always ask you to to cite your sources, and that's an issue we see in the comment sections of. Oh, you can Google it. That's the laziest intellectual like backing you can do is oh you can find it too. Don't get me wrong. Like if I, if I'm talking to somebody in the street and they're like, "Yo, what does that mean?" I'm like, or like my, my girl is in the car and she's like, "What kind of car would you want?" I'm like, oh, "I want a Rivian." Like, what's a Rivian? Then I was like, yeah, go Google look it. it. Up. Yeah. I'm driving the car. I'm yeah. like, Google, Google, Google it. You know, but it's hard to explain. Like, it's an electric, it's a black, uh, I want a black electric vehicle. You know, it looks like, an, uh, uh, who makes it? I don't know all that shit. Yeah. So Google it. Because I'm not sure. I know the name of it. I know it looks cool. But if I'm talking about something like, you know, uh, like I just mentioned, the Buddhist philosophy, take what is useful, discard what is not. I couldn't cite what Buddhist text that's in. But I do recall it being Buddhist. And you can now just I'm gonna type say, up Buddhism with the quote and you'll probably. And if it. I'm wrong, then I'll I'll take that demerit. But I'm I'm almost certain that it, I got that from a Buddhist philosophy. So, yeah, I digress. Copy. Um, all right. So next question is VR video. Where are we heading? So I sent Kai a video earlier this week that I found on Twitter. That was a video of a TikTok. So we already got a little bit of inception right there. But the video was, it's a VR headset, and you're back in, I don't know, 1995 as a kid, and you're putting in Crash Bandicoot to either the PS1 or like a Dreamcast, like some one of the older gaming states consoles, and you're playing Crash Bandicoot in this VR. And it was funny because the comments were very split. Uh, one of the comments was like, I'm not crying, you're crying. And I was like, yeah, like the, the nostalgia that's hitting right now is like crazy. Like I'm I'm legitimately like in this scenario, you know, of a, of a part of my childhood. And it's, you know, it is a beautiful feeling. You know, you can remember that time where, you know, you just didn't have problems. You didn't have to worry about bills, girls, you know, all this other stuff. And it is truly beautiful. But at the same time, it's terrifying, in my opinion, because, um, you know, there's, I think there's going to be an inflection point where people are not going to take these headsets off. The VR world is going to be too nice and um, pretty and real life is gruesome and ugly. And there's a lot of, you know, not so nice things about the real world. And if you've watched uh, Naruto, 
you remember the main antagonist, Madara Uchiha, one of the main antagonists, tried to cast a, basically a spell over the world, which would be like the VR world, where everything is beautiful, everything is nice, there's no pain, but you're also taking away people's free will at the same time. And um, yeah, where where do you think we're heading now that you've seen the video in terms of VR? I do think we are going to get a Wally sort of world. Unfortunately, a lot sooner than I was hoping. Um, and my only caveat with that is not that it exists, but in today's world, for example, we have cell phones. You can you can get by without a cell phone, but it's really difficult. Like you're you're going to be missing out on a lot of opportunities, news, all this other stuff. I don't want a future where everyone has to have a headset to interact and that's the baseline technology that everyone has to have because that's not a life to me. So yeah, that's my question. Where, where do you think we're heading with the VR stuff? Uh, before I answer, I just I just uh, asked Jamie and Jamie told me that it was Bruce Lee, not um, Buddhism, but Bruce Lee had a Buddhist father. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's where my mistake was. So I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I think the world is going into a place of, um, like you said, the Wally state. Um, I, I mentioned in, in an episode, I think we didn't release it yet. Um, but I mentioned Elon Musk's philosophy, the simulation philosophy, that technology will get to a point where it's indistinguishable, uh, uh, from real life. And that VR game, it literally had the, the tweet. I think we could put the, the tweet in, um, the, episode bio just for yeah uh, just for reference just for reference but everything around the actual crash bandicoot game looked vr but when you watched him play him or her play that crash bandicoot game it looked with the graphics of the original crash bandicoot yeah you know so the game itself is indistinguishable from the original game how you play it may be a little different etc cetera, etc cetera. but my point being um you know, we, I'd like to give us the benefit of the doubt, you know, and avoid playing devil's advocate that it will probably be a point where we will know we're in a simulation. I mean, I think for our lifetimes, we'll know that we're, we're uh, choosing to wear a VR headset. Um, I think the issue arises when it becomes so commonplace for the next generation where they just grew up with it and it's commonplace like for 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 me the first time i was ever on an airplane i was like three months old like legitimately so i've been flying for a very long time but even to this day it blows my mind like we are flying like no one like it's just taken for granted because i grew up with it but think about in the 1970s getting on a plane i've been so nerve-wracked with how new the technology was and more prevalent for like um, you know, mechanical failure and all this other stuff. Shout out Mike for, you know, dispelling, you know, a lot of the uh, the flying um, anxieties that people have and things like that. But, you know, um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. I, I don't fear for myself. I fear for those who are coming next. Yeah, and I was talking to my, my videographer, shout out Jihad, um, about this whole VR technology and how seamless Apple VR is in terms of not really needing a controller like the Quest um, and having it open up tabs in front of you and having it, um, you know, attenuate screens based on where you're looking and all that nonsense. And it, that'll be dangerous because when I was younger, the, I, the iPad, when the iPad, I, iPad came out like 2010. Yeah. We were like, we were, we were 12, 13 years old. Yeah. We were in school. We were speaking the King's English fluently yeah. at that point. <laughs> You know, and nowadays you were having children in front of iPads. Yeah, it's a twenty four seven throwing temper tantrums when it's taken away. Like, man, I was I was. Hey, we, we lived. We still grew up in a world, of, uh, an analog world. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I was tight when I couldn't play with an action action figure for for ten seconds. You know, yeah. but imagine like, but you get you get over it because, like you said, it's analog, so you could find other things to do. Mm -hmm. When it's an iPad, there are certain things that are in that iPad that are exclusive to the iPad or the internet, and when you remove that from a stimulus or from a person, right? You have, I mean not really FOMO, but just that, that lack of dopamine hitting the mind. And it, it kind of creates that, that, that lack, you know? And I think that's where it comes from when the kid throws a temper tantrum from t getting a toy taken away, et cetera. But uh, the conversation between Jihad and I, when 
you have a kid now who puts that VR headset on, they can just be so immersed in that world and you take that off from their head and in a forming mind, I mean, the, the, yeah, they won't know the difference. I mean, our, our developed brains can't tell the, the difference between uh, fact and fiction. Our dreams sometimes end up coming true or our dreams feel so real where we're like, did that actually happen? You know what facts, I mean? So facts. adding like a, 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 a physical 3d object to create that reality. I mean, we already said um, they started returning Apple Vision Pros because like people's eyesight and neural wiring is now different because of it. And we just what, what do we what do we always uh, promote on the show? All this blue light stuff. So you're just siphoning blue light directly into like the or, like your eye sockets and everything. Like there's just no there's nothing good to, that can come of it. You know, there are certain things that we've adapted to over time that are, quote unquote, unnatural. Um, but they're a natural progression of things. This technology thing is not really that. And before uh, we had the global pandemic, there was a lot of stuff on Facebook and other social media saying down with technology, you know, it's getting too far, it's getting too advanced. You know, we're, I mean, we're gonna displace people from work with all this AI stuff. So, I mean, I don't, there's only so many ways you can skin a cat of us saying like, just be careful. I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but not a fan yeah and, and don't get me wrong i mean the apple vision as opposed to other vr uh apparatuses it's the coolest one yeah it definitely is the coolest one and i could see myself using it but give me the fifth generation yeah so i'll wait after Actually, the kinks are out and yeah and after after uh yeah this is uh, just wait i'll just wait yeah um so Second to last, well, my last question. So I saw some news, did not verify, but I think it was, a, <laughs> I did, I think it was, a, it was just a tweet relating to an article or something from the CDC that the CDC is going to erase 64% of its website. Now, if you don't know what the CDC is, um, America is the alphabet capital of the world or the acronym capital of the world is the CDC, FBI, CIA, uh, who's he, what's it, you know, so the CDC is the Center for Dis Disease Control. And they said they're going to raise 64% of their website. So as you know, they can change things. Things can be updated. They can maybe go against the original narrative that they had for something. And we see this with media on the internet. I mean, movies that don't get picked up by Netflix or Hulu, like where do they go? They're just lost forever. So this is, I guess, more of a, a reminder of, you know, screenshot, in, you know, information that could be changed later on because you never know what original entity is going to renege or they're going to change the definition later on. Um, and getting back to physical media as much as possible um, just because you have something verifiable. You know, my mom has like newspapers, like legitimate newspapers from like 2001 when 9-11 happened and um when Bill Clinton won the election in 2000 and stuff like that. So you have empirical hard proof of this is what something used to be. Um, but yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on that on just in general, not that the CDC is erasing 64% of a website, but what does that bode for other entities that are the holders of information on certain topics? So I think this seems to be something that, has been persisting since the dawn of um the internet not the internet just uh education mm -hmm. and and i would say education in the west with the intent to assimilate those who are not indigenously from the west um so it's like it's like it's like cleansing right and like i don't want to say ethnic cleansing but i just said it so it's like it's like ethnic cleansing the internet right and it seems like because of how accessible information is now um as opposed to when we were coming up everything was more, more or less analog i mean we we didn't really get access to like really really using social media as a form of communicating until like ninth tenth grade uh, before that, we had BBM and, you know, the sidekick and stuff. But if you recall, that stuff was super slow. Like, you weren't really doing much with that besides, like, BBM and AOL Messenger, right? Um, but 
because we were getting most of our information from books, the only way to get information that was against a lot of the fallible information we're getting in school was from banned books. And if you weren't hip to banned books from your, it had to be from an elder because you were an infant um, or one was an infant back then or our generation were infants back then, then you were just getting your information from one source as opposed to now how fast you can look up anything at the touch of a button. Um, You can look through a lot of the guises that contemporary education tries to cast over most of us. So I think this is probably just another uh, segue into the next uh, iteration of that, where it's like, um, because we can't really pull the wool over people's eyes as we once could have, now we're trying a different way. And this is in, in the realm of health, right? Mm-hmm. CDC is the realm of health. So And health is already a controversial, you know, sort of endeavor, you know, domain. So Yeah. And once you start disproving health facts, then the whole the whole world goes to shambles, you know, shout out traffic law. Yeah. Um so for example, it's like in one prime example is is cigarettes. Back during uh was it World War Two? Was it World War One? One of the world wars, they were like cigarettes are healthy for you uh oh oh wait 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 you're getting cancer and and and, and emphysema and you can't breathe anymore and i have to amputate stuff no 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 no. cigarettes are bad for you let's tax it now you know and that's one thing this is before the internet and this is before news spread so fast so i think now yeah like i said this is just another way that they're trying to make sure they still have a foothold they being the powers that be you know, make sure you're making sure that they have a foothold on what's being out there so we don't have too many people who are going against the status quo. Not, I don't even know how important important uh, going against the status quo is nowadays because it seems like there's nothing really to rebel against. But yeah. I think um, people are doing it themselves. Yeah, I think I think the, the next rebellion is just inciting some more free thought and and yeah breaking free from just and another and another pitfall you have to worry about too is not just the correct information it's not like there it's not like you the information that goes against whatever the popular narrative is is automatically correct you have to double and triple check that too so we're in the age of disinformation which is shooing you away from truth or fact or whatever and then there's misinformation which is incorrect correcting information so it's a it's a it's a lot and you just have you you know what what makes this true and what makes this doesn't that's a job in itself and everything so you kind of have to always not be stuck to one thing unless you can prove it so for example i can you know you can tell me the grand canyon is oh it's not that it's not that grand i can take your word for it but i can't verify that until i go for myself now extrapolate that to any scenario in the in the world any fact you've been told in school um any fact that you've learned in a book from an author unless they have supporting sources or something like that you know then you can cross-reference etc but um you know just keep everything on a swivel um what is that what does Etsy say everything is true nothing is forbidden something like that so yeah and then uh, your last question my good my good sir okay so um I was driving and there was a roadblock and or a road road was closed off. Oh, second last question, actually. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Continue. Um, a road was closed off and I was on Waze. And I was like, yo, why is Waze not rewriting me the right way? Like I was really like driving in circles and it was telling me to go back on the same closed road. And I was on Google Maps. And I was like, I guess I have I have no choice. I gotta get home. So I go on Google Maps and it show me the right way and i was like okay thank you for having a second option phone but um it's a simple question and i'm not going to give you too much context as to why i'm asking this question maybe we'll bring it up after uh you elaborate some more but why do you think google maps bought ways um google's i mean a tech giant like anything else anything that you know is a is a popular application they want to get their piece of and you know extrapolate it with the resources that they have but what is Waze for? What is Waze? What do people normally use Waze for? It's to see, you know, where are the police? You know, can I speed on this highway sort of thing? <laughs> and Google buying Waze, Google has a lot of government contracts. 
So with Waze's technology, I have a feeling that Google is going to assist the government and law enforcement in cracking down on people who, you know, want to avoid getting speeding tickets and all this other stuff. That's my, that's my, you know, that's my, I think that's my pretty straightforward answer. You know, there's not, not anything else really to it. Yeah. And I was thinking like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of these smaller entities that create, um, uh, better platforms than existing platforms already. They 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 don't stand a chance. Like, I, I well no. This is the thing. I don't blame Google. I blame the the companies that are selling. Like yeah, okay, your ways and you only clear, let's say, a hundred k a year, whereas Google buys you out for fifty, a hundred million or something like that. Like that's money you'll never see again. You know you want to take that deal. But at the same time, it's like ownership is everything. You're, it's like everyone complains, oh, one, no one knows anything. Um, all these companies own all these businesses, but there's in a, in a business deal, there's a buyer and a seller. That means someone is selling and just giving up all, all their um, resources, rights, and everything to these giant corporations. It's not the giant, the giant corporations are going to obviously buy and expand. If you give up and, you know, don't even try and fight back, then, you know, I don't know what there is. Because what is Google, Google, is a Google Maps hitman and they're going to find the ways people like, no, you know, it's not, you know, it's not something, you know, that big of a deal. It's just everyone wants money. And it's like, okay, you have your hundred million now. Now what, what's next? Right. right You're going right. to be on the beach and be bored after a week. Like, congrats. Right. Um, and then for this last question we have, hold on one second. Let me open the phone. Uh, okay. So, uh, in this ex post you sent me, uh, yesterday it said that uh black people don't have to go back to africa we can just move back to the south right um so what are your thoughts on that that statement you know because it makes a lot of sense because in rural areas of america it's a lot cheaper to buy property and it's much slower pace of life at the expense of not having a deli in your corner um but yeah, it seems like a no-brainer because we always advocate for uh, group economics and poweronomics. And geo-arbitrage. Geo-arbitrage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so me personally, I like, I you know, shout out the Rastafari movement. Um, but I was never one to be like, we got to all go back to Africa, right? I think Africa is more of the idea of that. Africa is more of a consciousness. It's more of a thought process of unification and, and, and being one with the people who look like you. Because the people who look like you, if you are all of the same thought process for the most part, then all of you guys have each other's best interest at heart. So I can, I can definitely see where the whole uh, idea of moving back to the South comes from. But let me hear your thought process on that. Um, yeah, I mean, for the people of... of uh native indigenous ancestry in the americas um a lot of their families are from the south you know uh, everyone from chicago has got a grandmother from mississippi or louisiana um and and other things like that so i mean this question i wanted to make a little bit more general because my you know living in new york i have friends from all all over so wherever you, wherever you are greek you know chinese you know filipino wherever this can also apply to you as well but uh yeah i think that the tweet is pretty spot on you know my qualm with living in a rural area is um, it's too slow. You know, I visit my family in Texas, but they're still, you know, in a near a major city. There's still stuff to do. Um, but I mean, yeah, my, my pace of life changes when I go down there. I'm kind of going to bed around maybe midnight the latest because there's just not like really much to do as much as there is in New York. Um, and yeah, I've, I've always said, I mean, there's been there's enclaves of group economics. We see it a lot in the Asian community, in the Jewish community. Um, there's Black Wall Street. So yeah, I mean, having a hundred people who work remote in some cost of place of where the cost of living is, their monthly bills are 10% total of their yearly salary. Um, I think that's a good idea. And then yeah, you can incite the change that you want to see in the world. You can run for office. You have friends backing you. You have a checks and balances system as well. And then, you know, you pass it down to the next generation and you attract more talent. And then you can make your own New York City where there's a limit cap. You know, we're not going to raise the the property value so much where it's unaffordable. You can control things a little bit more instead of having to rely on, 
necessarily your local government that may not have your best interests at heart or you know you're too far removed from them you can go to all these town halls and voice all these town halls and voice your opinion but they may not be answered or heard um so or so if you do it yourself and you have control over it yourself and you have doing it with your friends or people that you know you know in person i mean there's nothing there's nothing that's really going to beat that so i'm I'm a big proponent of that. If I decide to stay in the United States, I will probably be following this new meta. Um, and side sidebar, um, the tweet that another tweet that actually spurned the idea that I came across this tweet for was uh, this guy I follow. He was saying, you know, how many more TikTok videos and Instagram reels are you going to have to find of Gen Zers who are fresh out of college crying because they moved to a major city and they can only afford to eat? and just go to work they don't have a finance they don't have a budget for anything because rent is too high and they don't make enough to do any extracurricular activities and they're you know for you know lack of a better term they're just wage slaves they're just going to work coming home eating and having no sort of variety or adventure or anything in their life so you know if you can't if you can't beat the game which is earning enough where you can do that then just move to someplace you know where it's cheaper and you can you know, do more. Sure, it's not going to be as fun. Sure, it's not going to be as this and the third. But I'd rather have a more boring life where I can travel on a whim versus, oh, I live in a major city, but I don't do things most of the time because I have to save up for a month to, you know, go out with some friends. You know what I mean? So, Well put, well put. And I think we can wrap up with that. Um, no, no. Um, this oh. is my last. This is the would you rather for the week. Okay, go ahead. Since we, uh, since we talked about it. A perfect life in your VR world or your average in this scenario, real life, and why? Uh, okay. Um, real life. Real life, yeah. Because Jim Carrey has a quote. I think I may have said it before. Uh, it's a good quote. So I've, said, I've definitely told someone this quote before, which is why I'm thinking I've told it on the podcast before. But um, Jim Carrey said, uh, I pray everyone gets everything they want so they can realize it's not enough. And I think a perfect life in VR is, um, sounds cool for like a week, but like all the things I think I want now, like even in real life, like when I want a pair of shoes or something or a, a piece of clothing or something that's, that's tangible that doesn't really accrue value i buy it and then i'm like ah, yeah, i have it now yeah cool okay it's, it's there now i can just do whatever i want with it whenever um as opposed to uh like the idea of getting dopamine hits you know like the 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 challenge of 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 overcoming boundaries and and, and attaining the things i want in life through hard work and effort those things are a lot more valuable I mean, but the same thing still applies, right? Because when I get that thing, it's like, okay, cool, I got it, it's done now. But the quest, the knowledge I gain on that quest to attain that thing and, and, and overcoming that that challenge, that's that's the value you gain. That's the important thing as opposed to, like, if I just buy something, like, right now, it's just I work, trade my time for money, buy it, cool. Like, nothing really uh, impressive was done to do that. I just went to work and then got a paycheck and then bought it, you know? Yeah. Or like getting a girl or something, you know? It's just like, you know, it's these things are just all, shout out my girlfriend, by the way, but all these things are just fleeting, you know, as opposed to um, gaining knowledge and wisdom. But yeah, as the Buddha says, um, when you have a desire, you have a problem. <laughs> And it's tough because we live in America and, and we're, we're we've surrounded birth, by We've been just siphoned with dopamine and flashing lights and you can have this and you can have that. But when the when the game is coming to an end, does that really matter? No. And it's, it's, it's disguised as harmless things too. Cause I, I remember watching cartoons. It's just like I would have not wanted any of the things I wanted in life if I didn't see a commercial or someone else having it and it looked cool. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, and then also in that same breath on that same question, if this whole life is already VR, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I, I, it's like having an action replay on the DS. I don't think if this is a game or a simulation and there's someone controlling my character, 
I think this is probably the beginning or, you know, a little bit past the beginning of the game. And I think most avid gamers or most people who like to play games to completion are um, at a place where I'd rather beat the game with my own grit than just punch in a cheat code and just beat the game because then after that it becomes boring yeah the action replay was cool shout out the action replay shout out my childhood shout action out. replay that was the greatest investment I ever made in my gaming career yeah shout out um pokemon shout out emeralds my favorite um shout out ev training before it got easy shout yeah. out um you know shout out lance shout out the shout out the elite four shout um, out cynthia shout out um mudkip Shout out Mudkip, my favorite starter. Um, Mudkip's my favorite starter. I like Turtwig. Turtwig was Turtwig cool. Was, yeah. I like um, Turtwig. Turtwig was cool. Yeah. yeah. But um, also, shout out to my co-host. Shout out to my parents, grandparents, loved ones, friends, um, gainful employment, heat, the sun, uh, my beautiful mind, and my ability to critically think. And um, shout out humanity. You know, I think we... In the in the innate sense, you know, everyone has a good heart. You know, you may you might get kicked off the horse from your own personal traumas that you deal with in your life, but at the end of the day, you know, we want the best for everyone and you know, more 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 right brain love and less uh logical and, you know, uh disassociated, heartless sort of thinking. Shout out my uh my loving mother. Shout out uh all my relatives, my family members, my my lovely co host. Um, shout out, uh, space and time. Um, probably the only things that are probably actually real in terms of everything on this planet. Um, shout out Westchester. A lot of good things coming out of Westchester right now. Shout out New York. We live in New York. So I gotta give it a shout out. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it for me. I'm not gonna go too in depth and too corny today. Alrighty, so uh, we will see you guys next week, which is not going to be us. We have a special guest on, so stay tuned. But um, until then, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Distancing myself from anything that seems cynic. I evicted all my demons. I ain't seen them in a minute. Phone on D on D in the event they try and kick it. I ain't messing with a pessimist. I get that noise and flip it. Keeping up composure because it's crucial. Tossing everything away unless that thing is useful. Pocket watching people, all these people getting used to it. Bumping blues and burning all my blues over my blues.